This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Levy Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, is out this week. So it's an all-pet day on Creature Comforts. The doors to our pet hospital are wide open, and we welcome your pet questions from the big to the small. Also, Halloween night is approaching. We've got a couple of tips for your pet Halloween costumes. Don't hesitate to join our conversation by phone or email. And we always like to hear if you've had any general wildlife experiences that you want to share. It's pet day. Sometimes it gets really busy, so give us a call now. The number's 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We always like to remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, it repeats Saturday mornings at 6. Good morning, Dr. Major. Hope you're doing well this morning. Doing great. Uh, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> okay. Anyway, everything's going okay. Uh, as I mentioned at the top there, Halloween is, what, Saturday, I guess it is. Uh, and so uh, you often see a lot of uh, pictures of, of uh, on, maybe on Facebook and that sort of thing of uh, people who, who dress up their pets uh, for Halloween and also maybe some of the other holidays. Um, I've never thought that a lot of the pets look like they enjoy that. Uh, but if you're going to do that, are there some things to keep in mind about the costumes uh, so that your dog's safe, maybe loose strings, uh, that kind of thing? You know they need to be non-restrictive. It doesn't. They don't. Most of them. I saw a little uh, video of a, of a puppy that looked like he was probably about ten or twelve pounds, and he did just exactly like J.W. My dog that passed away several years ago. Uh, you put a sweater on him, and he would just flop over on his side <laughs> uh, and not get up. And this little dog had an elephant outfit on. And uh, he would run about three or four steps and then fall over. So obviously he was not real happy with that. Uh, a lot of the animals don't mind, I think, and we've seen some pretty inventive costumes. Uh, my little dog, uh, Kenny, or Ratty as he's called as well, uh, he's got a little frog, Kermit the Frog costume. We've yet to put it on, so we need to try that and see if he'll like it. But, yes, don't have any strings or anything that could get tangled up in. I, I would not have a costume on a puppy unsupervised or a dog unsupervised. You need to watch, okay? Also, as you mentioned with the puppy, and it sounded like the costume didn't fit properly. If, you know, you're ordering from it, make sure maybe if there's sizes uh, that you try to get it as close to their size because I, I guess either too small or too big uh, might cause some issues. Certainly. And uh, but we've, as, as I say, we've seen some pretty inventive costumes. There's a whole. Uh, if you go online, <clears throat> there's a, just a whole host of various costumes that your dogs could wear, and uh, or cats. Uh, cats probably like them less <laughs> than dogs, just as a general thought. That, that's an. I, I would agree with you. And is it, is it maybe the dog's temperament is just maybe a little bit more more laid back than your average cat? Well, our dogs, a lot of dogs like to actually be swaddled, you know, have a, you're familiar with the uh, thundersuit, uh, you know, for uh, loud noises and thunderstorms, thundershirt, I guess that's the name of it. But uh, 
a lot of dogs don't mind that. And uh, I think cats are a little bit more sensitive about things on their skin. That's uh, I've seen some cats with a little, like, uh, antlers or something like that, and some of them do quite well with that. But you have to try it out, but a lot of cats really rebel when they see that. I think you hit on it there because I know with my cat and then other cats I've seen, you could, you know, they're laying there and you could be scratching or petting them and, and they're enjoying it. But then all of a sudden it, it kind of hits that point where they're like, I don't want this anymore. And you can sometimes get an interesting reaction. But that, definitely they let you know uh, when the time has come to, to, to stop mething with them for a bit. So right. maybe you're right about their more sensitive skin. Right. Uh, here's something that's in the news. Uh, for people who are curious about the source of their dog's behaviors and routines, there's a way that you might find these answers by using a dog DNA testing kit. Many of the kits use a small saliva sample from your four-legged friend to provide you with information about their breed, health, and more. The information you get back might help you better understand and train your four-legged friends. Uh, have you heard about these kits, Dr. Major? Oh, absolutely. And they were quite popular, I think, a year or so ago, and they're still there, still available. And... Uh, I think the cost has come down some. I'm not sure exactly. <laughs> Probably in the sixty to seventy-five dollar range, unless there's a special, you know, on them. Uh, usually, it involves, as you say, a saliva. But they say to take the little—it's kind of like a little brush—and you uh, twirl it inside along the gum line and get cells there. You don't make it bleed, but just enough to uh, to run the test. And uh, the little dog that I mentioned a while ago, Kenny, we didn't know exactly what he was. He, 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 when he was little, he looked like a Brussels griffon, just like a monkey face on him. And uh, as he grew, we, we weren't certain again what he was. But I did the test on him, and he actually is a Shih Tzu with Lhasa and, I believe, Pomeranian. So there's some. they give you percentages as well. And his percentages were like 85, 90% Shih Tzu. So that's, and sometimes there's some real surprises with that, things that you wouldn't even think of and makes you wonder how accurate the test is. But they're relatively accurate, yes. Um, so for you as a vet and even as the pet owner, uh, what, how is it helpful to know if you have a mixed breed dog or if you maybe adopted a dog from a shelter? Uh, how is it helpful to know sort of what breed and what his makeup is? Well, you know, there are certain uh, disease conditions that are prevalent in, in certain breeds. Uh, and we, we see uh, increases in, for example, heart conditions in certain breeds. Uh, some dogs are more apt to uh, develop GI-type issues for some reason. So all I'm saying is that there are uh, different uh, conditions that might result. And some of it has to do, too, with training. As you were alluding to, uh, some of the dogs uh, would have issues with training, especially if we don't know what their background is genetically. Funny little story about my cat. You know, he's an indoor cat, uh, but he has taken to the point where he likes to venture outside. So a lot of times he's right there uh, at my door there trying to get out. Uh, usually when he runs out, and I think I've mentioned this before, he kind of runs to the edge of the driveway and kind of sniffs around again and just stands there. So I usually pick him up and put him back inside. Well, yesterday when it was uh, in Pearl, at least, uh, yesterday morning was very windy and rainy. And so I could hear, hear the wind howling. And so I just went to the door to open up to look out. 
Uh, and as I did, I didn't realize that he scooted out of there. So I closed the door, turned around, and then I started looking for him. I realized he was outside or probably thought he was. And I opened the door and there was this orange furry flash that zipped right back in. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things, beware of what you ask for. Cause he wanted to go back. He wanted to go outside, but uh, when he did, he realized that maybe it was better off inside anyway. So pretty smart cat. Yeah. He, he knew, he knew the best place for him. Right. And you know, that thing is, uh, unlike other cats I've had, he, it is odd. He'll, he'll go out there and he gets to the edge of the driveway and starts, you know, sniffing around trying to sample, uh, the environment. But for so far, uh, he has not sort of made a dash or anything. So, uh, occasionally I will let him go outside very quickly. I'm there to kind of snatch him back up so he can get a little taste of the outdoors without, uh, you know, getting, uh, caught. I, I'm always telling him, of course, he's sure he understands, but it's, uh, you know, it's like, you want to stay in here. It's nice and warm. You have food. There are no, there are cats here. Uh, but, uh, so far that message hasn't gotten quite through, uh, completely yet, but we're, we're working on it. Right. Well, be careful because, with a cat outside, a strange noise or something comes along, and he might dart out into the street, uh, this sort of thing, and then you could have a real catastrophe. So uh, we never know exactly what may happen. And, you know, the bottom line recommendation is that, uh, in general, inside cats live a whole lot longer than outside cats. That's not totally true, but it's close. Wait, right, and, uh, you know, and just the idea, too, of, of the other cats out there and, you know, um he he's been an indoor cat, so I think he's not quite as street savvy as maybe his cats that are outdoors right. anyway. So right. I, I do try to keep a real close eye on him and 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 don't let him out too often. But sometimes he kind of outfoxes me. But I, I will say I f- I feel good because occasionally he gets stuck sort of behind the door, and as I'm opening it, he gets kind of trapped behind it. So I always feel like I've somewhat temporarily outsmarted him when I open the door, and he's kind of there behind the door, not be able to get out. Right. All right, uh, it is time for our first break of the hour. When we return, we'll be looking for your pet questions for Dr. Major. Also, if you've had a brush with nature recently and want to share that with us, we'd love to hear that. Call in with your questions and comments. The number is one mpb ring It's 1-877-672-7464. You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. Today we're taking your pet questions and talking about any brushes with wildlife that you've had recently. Uh, join our conversation with a question or comment by giving us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Uh, we do have a caller on the line, so let's say good morning to Patricia, who's called in from Jackson. Patricia, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Hello. Hi. The other day, my dog got into some chocolates. My husband had given me some free chocolates for my birthday earlier in October, 
and I ate some of the chocolates, and then the um, I put them down, and the dog got into them. And our dog is a, is a female. Um, I did have her DNA tested. I heard you talk about that earlier, and she is 50% chow chow and 50% other, but she's about 14 years old. And so we saw that she had been in the chocolate. She ate a lot of chocolate. And we know that chocolate is not good for dogs. And so we were wondering what might happen as a result of the chocolate. I do have another question as well uh, that's totally different. But we wanted to know about the chocolates. And then can I ask the second question? Sure. Now? Okay. So the other question is, we are fostering a shelter dog who has uh, who screams at the top of his lungs. I've never heard a dog like that. He or scream like that. He is a mini schnauzer, um, but he also has. Um, well, he, he we just brought him into the house on Monday. It was today is Thursday. And we have female dogs in the house and a couple of cats. And so the people at the shelter suggested that we get a belly band for the dog because he has he's marking his territory inside the house. So I'm wondering what we can do with this belly band, what it does, actually, how it helps. Um I'm also wondering about the screaming. We've never heard a dog like this, like this. I mean, he opens his mouth wide and he barks a little bit, but instead of barking, a screaming sound comes out. That's, so those are my questions. Right. Okay, we'll start with the last question first. Uh, the screaming, I wish I had, you had a recording of that you could play for us, but every once in a while we will hear a dog that has a different sound. And uh, I don't know if this is a typical schnauzer sound that this little dog has got. We had a dog in the other day that sounded just like somebody yelling. It wasn't a typical bark that you know you would think a person was doing it. So they can have they can create some strange sounds. The belly band, of course, the idea there is that um, he's hiking his leg, marking his territory. Uh, it probably is very similar to a pamper or something like that which will collect urine if he if he actually urinates so would keep would help keep the peace at home i'm sure uh some dogs tolerate that quite well others will eat it off in other words rip it off so certainly would be worth a try for your sanity i think around the house sounds like you've got a good dog though <coughs> he <laughs> And it can be trying, you know. He's, he's he's adjusting, and so so are you, and so are the other dogs in the house. Chocolate can be a severe <coughs> problem, and at this time of year, of course, a lot of people will have chocolate either lying around uh, for <coughs> to distribute it uh, Halloween or just you know in general uh, as we get into the holiday season. Uh, it's better that they not. Now, when did when did she have when did she eat the chocolate? How long ago? I think it was probably Tuesday. 
Okay, so it's Tuesday. I left it. I ate the. I ate some chocolate out of a box. It was in a box, and it was the sugar-free chocolate. And so I put it down. I think in a chair, like a lounging chair. Right. And then when we came home, when I came home, the box was on the floor. I forgot that this dog gets into boxes of things. The box was on the floor. The there were a couple of layers of the chocolate. I thought there was only one, and it was empty. Everything was empty. Okay. Were there other dogs in the house at that time with her? No, it was just okay. that one dog. Okay. Okay. The uh, milk chocolate is not as severe as Baker's chocolate or the solid chocolate. Okay. Uh, I don't know. This sounded like that. The other thing that may be in, in chocolate sometimes is xylitol, which is a sweetener, can be used as a sweetener, and that can cause some issues with dogs, definitely. The theobromine uh, that's in chocolate can cause some heart issues, uh, Some, but it would be fairly immediate depending on the amount that the dog ingested. Um, the other thing we see is because there's usually a fair amount of fat in chocolate, it may cause uh, pancreatitis and or diarrhea associated with that. So I, I would say that 48 hours now, if she's not showing any symptoms of any real problem, that probably she'll be okay. At the same time, let's keep her chocolate where she can't get in it. <laughs> and uh, if she starts acting like she's sick at all, I would get her into your vet and maybe have some blood work done to be sure that there's no obvious damage uh, caused by the chocolate. We do think that she may have had diarrhea because we found some, or something happened because we found something in our living room on the floor and it looked dark, right. you know, like it could have been shot. We thought that it was the new dog that had had um, urinated, but it was really dark. Well, let's watch, so, watch, her, watch her closely and if she does show any symptoms of maybe continuing diarrhea or diarrhea. Is she still eating okay? Yes. Okay. I suspect she's going to be all right, but uh, don't hesitate to get her into your vet if you sense that she's having a problem, okay? Okay. That's I a do great, have, great question. Thank you. I do have a um, recording of the screaming dog, but I would have to get it. I don't know if you have time to listen to it today, but um, I do have a recording. Of the of the dog, uh, Patricia. Is there any way that you could send it to us via email? Yes. All right. It's animals at mpbonline dot org, uh, and we'll get it to Doctor Major, and then that way he might could give you some more information throughout the week. Animals at mpb dot org. No, no. Mpbonline dot org. Okay. All righty. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for your call this morning. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, an all pet day. Uh, we've got another uh, caller on the line, Dr. Major, but a, kind of a quick follow-up, a related question about uh, f- human food that is trouble for dogs and or cats. Uh, I was eating some fruit the other day, and I had some grapes, and I was thinking that uh, grapes don't do well for dogs and or cats. Is that the case? We. You know, how would you get a cat to eat a grape? I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, dogs dogs love to eat the same thing we're eating, and uh, that can cause severe issues, kidney problems. It'd uh, be one of the things that you really need to avoid, like having a bowl of grapes out or the dog is able to get to them. 
and it, you know dogs love to have stuff tossed to them and i can see someone eating grapes and tossing the dog some so let's be very careful with grapes all right uh let's move on our next caller is jimmy who's called in from greenville good morning jimmy you're on the air with us good morning how are you this morning we're doing good what's your question for dr major um what is his thoughts concerning the use of bark control collars that's a great question and i've had several people uh in the last month uh ask about that used properly it probably works in most of the dogs and when i say properly there are different types there's some that just vibrate uh, with a bark there are others that you control like with a uh, clicker uh, so i would investigate closely and see what you think might work best for this particular dog. But uh, use common sense and don't overdo it, especially uh, at first. But we have seen some that really work well, and a lot of it depends on the individual dog. But I would use one that you have control over, yes. Okay, thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Jimmy, for your call. It's all pet day on Creature Comfort, so if you have a question for Dr. Major, you can call us at one mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 7464 You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. So earlier, Dr. Major, we talked about my cat occasionally getting out, and uh, that is a, an email here that says my grandson's poodle went missing. Uh, recently, he was a stud dog who lives in the house and has not uh, been neutered. He was let out to use the bathroom and took off after a dog in heat. Uh, my grandson's wife saw him the next day running with a pack of dogs, but he wouldn't come to her. They've driven extensively in the surrounding area to no avail. Our neighborhood, uh, our neighbor thought they might be sleeping in some old dog houses behind his house. They put some clothes there to try to lure him. Uh, he's been spotted three times in various places by neighbors, but no one's been able to catch him. Uh, They fear that he's disoriented and can't find his way home. Any suggestions about what they could do to lure him home? This is an older email, but uh, still brings up a good question of, you know, if if your dog gets out and is spotted and and out and about or that sort of thing, are are there any ways that things that you might could try to do to lure him back home? Sure. Uh, I guess I would say something, but, you know, this happens (laughs) in species other than dogs as well. I was thinking in terms of people at the moment, but that's not good. <laughs> anyway, uh, here's, here's the problem, uh, and it, it can be a real problem. He sounds like, I don't know if it's a standard poodle or a regular poodle. Uh, the, the problem is we see a lot of dog fights concerning, uh, they mentioned a pack of dogs, and the reason there's a pack of dogs is because the female is in heat and they're all vying for that attention. And that's where a lot of dogs get injured, either through fighting or being bitten. Uh, This little dog uh, seems like he is uh, disoriented somewhat. And dogs are amazing, though. Uh, The the real problem is the fact that he has not been out, apparently, before now. But dogs can find their way, and they usually do a circle-type situation, picking up scents of other dogs that they know in order to come back home, if you understand what I'm saying. They'll mm-hmm. do a circle, and they'll run across a and scent from your, and that's one reason they mark the territory. They'll run across a scent that they know, and uh, 
then they'll circle around that. But uh, this little dog, they just really need to maybe get some assistance. There are people in uh, the area that uh, will help uh, as far as trying to locate dogs uh, that are lost. But the other thing that I would highly recommend is microchipping um, the dog in case he got uh, taken to a shelter or this sort of thing to a veterinarian. And that way, maybe the little dog could be reunited with its owner. So the microchips have been around for a while now. Is uh, If you do get your uh, pet chipped, is, is there a good chance that, as you say, a shelter or if, if someone finds them and takes them to another vet's office, that they would have the ability to read the chip and, and help you uh, get reunited with your pet? Yes, I would say a large percentage of the veterinarians and shelters have uh, a reader, which will read. Uh, it's actually a number, and quite a long number in some cases, uh, from the standpoint of the microchip, but they can read. And then it also identifies the source of the chip. Uh, when I say source, the manufacturer. And if you have a dog chipped or cat chipped, be sure to have it registered with that manufacturer. So if, in fact, uh, it's needed, they can contact you. Right, and of course, too, uh, if your situation changes, moving new uh, how, uh, new phone number, that sort of thing, you would want to make sure to update your information so that uh, if uh, the chip is needed, it's got the most up- up-to-date information about uh, you and your pet. Right, and there's been some pretty amazing cases where some, some dogs maybe were lost. Somebody saw the dog, picked it up, and drove to California from here, and then eventually was micro, you know, the microchip was read, and then animal was returned to its owner, which is pretty amazing. It is time for another break. When we get back, we'll continue looking for your pet questions. Call in with questions or comments about your recent wildlife encounters. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more, so stay tuned. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. It's Pet Day, so we're looking for your pet questions. You can send one in uh, via email animals at mpbonline.org or just give us a call the number is 1877 mpb ring it's 18776727464 uh, here's an email from uh, john in madison who says are acorns hazardous to dogs we have two dogs that stay in a fenced in area around our back porch we have several oak trees back there that have been dropping acorns for several weeks the dogs seem to like to eat the acorns I've heard, though, that they could be harmful to dogs. Uh, Dr. Major, what do you say? Interesting. Uh, I noticed that the acorns of squirrels around my house, I, when I walked out, I could tell that they'd really been working on the squirrel. They dropped the holes just everywhere uh, from up an oak tree. Uh, we have a cases where dogs will eat the acorns. I have seen some that ate so many that it caused like an impaction. They weren't real selective in taking the hulls away. 
Uh, so they just chewed on them and swallowed the whole whole acorn. Uh, these acorns do have some tannins in it and some other uh, chemicals that I really am not familiar with or able to say, but certainly it can cause some issues. It is a problem, though, if you've got several big oak trees and you've got all these acorns there and the dogs do develop a taste for them. It can cause uh, some diarrhea and cause some issues uh, along that line. So I would say, if possible, remove the acorns, but I realize that it's very difficult to do. Uh, maybe if there's a, a kid in the neighborhood, you might could pay him to do uh, acorn cleanup every once in a while. <laughs> right. Um, okay, uh, looks like we've got some callers on the line, so let's start again with uh, George in Oxford. Good morning, George. You're on the air with us. Uh, Dr. Mr. John, I want to ask you a question about the dog food. You know, we had a dog 15 years old, and we had to have it put down just uh, a week or so ago. But even so, all the dog foods that all the vets buy prescription and everything, it's got everything in it, chicken and rice and everything that humans eat. So my wife is concerned about a new dog that we're not going to feed the table scraps any longer. But I fed the dog his whole life. The table scraps didn't have any effect on it, as far as I know. So what say you about, you know, chicken and beef and rice and corn and all that within dog food? Okay, certainly be selective when you feed table food. Don't give a lot of fatty foods. I like steak trimmings. Uh, some people will do that. Uh, you know, dogs have been fed table food, table scraps forever, and most dogs do well, but it also serves as a source. A lot of times people don't realize the calories that this dog is getting, and then you have a dog that becomes grossly overweight, and the table food added to a regular diet can cause that. But be careful. Uh, I can't tell you not to feed table food, uh, the meats, the chicken, uh, beef, all of those are, are pretty good to use, but just don't overdo it. The dogs really don't really care if they have a plate full. They like to have just a little bit. So that, yeah, may, that's, fly, that's... that may fly in the face of what some people say, but uh, it's very hard not to share some with the dog, but just be careful. Yeah, I just, every time I eat, she would sit at the table with me and always save her just one bite of what I was eating, not, uh, you know, give her what, what you know, a big portion of what I didn't eat. So uh, that that well, was where the concern was. But right, I, overweight, she wasn't overweight and right. in good health. Anyway, Sounded like she did well for 15 years, okay? So that's, yes, that's good. Yeah. Thank you for your right, information. For, I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thanks for the question. Good to hear from you, George. Thanks for your call. We've got some open phone lines. If you have a pet question for Dr. Troy Major, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Next up, it's Judy calling in from Hernando. Good morning, Judy. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Dr. Major, I have two small Maltese puppies. There are eight they're probably nine months old right now. Right. When I first got them, they were adorable. And they're still adorable. But <laughs> one has become very, very, very aggressive to the other one. The whole, hmm. They're two boys. I understand that's not a good thing. But one just, he has, I mean, he just has mood swings. All of a sudden, he'll just tie into the other one. And next thing I know, they're both up on 
the hind two legs, and they're going at it. And if you try to get between them, I've gotten – they bit my arm, one of them. I don't know which one. They're, they're just crazy. What do you think <laughs> I can do? Yeah. Behavior modification in this case is probably going to be pretty difficult because of the the rivalry that they have uh, in, in, gen, in general, and this is not always true in general, uh, when you have a pair of dogs, something of the opposite sex, for one, you know what I'm saying, a male and a female uh-huh. as opposed to two males. Now, that's not to say that females can't do exactly the same thing that you're seeing. Uh, gosh. I need a really? good answer because I, I, I have to keep my dogs. I love them both, even though right. one is a little crazy. Right. Have they it's actually mainly drawn, just the one. drawn blood on anybody except you? No. Okay. Right. Right. Just me. <laughs> just me. And it's just a little blood. <laughs> and this may be a stage that they're going through. And you may not want to hear this, but I would say as soon as possible, have these dogs neutered. Uh, oh, that's been done. Not, I did that. Okay, okay, I did that okay. at ASAP. And it goes along to show that just because something is neutered doesn't mean that they're going to have be placid and have perfect personality. Uh, I would attempt to maybe separate them uh, for a while, some time out, uh, whether you put them in separate kennels or whatever. Uh you mean for days or weeks apart? No, from no, each other? no, no, no. I mean for hours, you know, just, hours. Uh, okay. just some time out. Uh, that seems to help. The other thing would be use a uh, water bottle with a good squirt stream. And I would squirt primarily the one that's causing the problem, but squirt both I of them. I think that would work, but I never have that bottle with me. I have a bottle of water, but it's never around. They, they surprise me when they do this. Because well, both the times, they're good. They get along. Let's, let's get three or four and scatter them around the house. They always say if, you, if you're you going to have a gun, in the ha- a gun in the house, it needs to be with the arm's reach. Same thing is true with the water bottle. And I agree with you. I've had the problem myself trying to either keep uh, a cat off the counter or something like that, you know. And the water bottle works real well, and they learn in general when they right. see that water bottle, they know that they're going to get blasted uh, with I it. I really haven't thought about multiple water bottles, so that's a great <laughs> right. idea. I mean, why don't we thinking, try? Okay, where's the water bottle? <laughs> why don't, why don't right. we try that and see? Usually noise does not distract them enough uh, to, you know, Help. No, because if noise distracted them, my screaming at them would, would definitely stop. <laughs> well, they may but think you're they may think you're cheering them on. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, but good luck with that. I don't think they that. listen to anything. Well, okay, I'll get I'll go get about ten water bottles. They will be with me at all times. There you go. Thank you. Know, you know, one is good. Ten has to be better. I should have right. thought of that. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Judy, for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio and all pet day today. Uh, if you have a question for Dr. Major, you can reach us at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Kevin, Kevin, a couple of things. Uh, there is uh, one kind of a natural uh, supplement that you can give, and I've seen some pretty good results with it later lately. It's called Composure. It's like a treat, and it does seem to take some of the edge off of some of these animals, and it helps with nervous animals as well. And back to the uh, food, one of the problems that a lot of people get into with feeding from the table is to feed bones or this sort of thing, and that 
it's just asking for trouble. Now, somebody will say, well, my dog has eaten bones all his life for 10, 12 years. There are some dogs that can do that, but a lot of times they get in trouble. They either swallow a bone uh, or a portion of a bone. It's sharp, and it may lodge in the intestine, so it can be a problem. Be very careful with that type of thing. All right. Uh, looks like uh, we have Barbara from Waynesboro on the line, and I think Barbara's been a caller in talking about her dog. Barbara, thanks for joining us again. Go ahead. Yeah, um, Dr. Major, I've got a problem with my bull master. Okay. Um, the came through here last night, and it was pretty bad for for a while. And he appears to be traumatized. He's got the other three bull masses cornered in a barn stall. Mm. And okay. he's growling. He won't let me come near him or them. He wants them out. <laughs> wow. What, what should I do? So this behavior started after the storm? Oh, yes, sir. When I went out there at sunrise, that's when I, I realized what was going on. Okay. And when the fellow who helped me every day got here, I asked him if anybody appeared to be hurt or something. And he said no. He said the other three are sitting in the corner. He's laying down in front of them, and he won't let them out, and he won't let me in. So, in other words, he's not not allowing you to take him out. Uh, no. Okay. He's growling. I've never heard. Winky is four years old. I've never heard him growl. As you say, he's definitely traumatized. I, I would say that uh, one this may wear off. Sounds like you've got a. Uh, operation with maybe some cattle and other stuff like that. Do you have a rope where you could just toss it over his head? I'm scared to get that close to him, Dr. Mike. Well, I don't want you to get hurt, no. Uh, there are some things you may talk to your vet about, a tranquilizer uh, that would give him some relief. I just mentioned composure. I've been pretty uh, interested in that as far as taking the edge off of some animals. Mm-hmm. Your vet can order that for you or they may have it. Uh, it's, it's good name, composure, uh, but don't get bitten. I would hope that this would kind of wear off after another 12, 24 hours, but uh, I, I would say that you have to be careful. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's 134 pounds. He, that's why, you know, I'm afraid to approach him. No, no, I, and I, I didn't realize that it was quite that bad towards you right now, so y'all be careful. Um, gosh. Some way to get the other dogs out of there, but he's guarding them, and not yep. maybe th- maybe he thinks he's doing a good thing. I don't know, but well, he's always been more of a silly dog, you okay. know, tail wagging, just greets everybody very friendly, and this is just very well, disturbing to me. Talk to your talk to your vet and see if he can get you some tranquilizers that you can put in some food, and slide a, slide a food bowl in there with him, and see if he'll. You know, eat that. Of course, the other thing, the other dogs may want to get to it, and then you could have a fight going on your hands. But at some point, he's going to have to get out of there. And uh, I don't know if you left the, the stall door open. Yes, sir. It's always open. Okay. okay, he might move on out. Well, I wish I, I had better advice for you. That's an unusual question. And uh, yeah. with the storm and everything, I can see how he was traumatized. Yes, sir, but they've been through this before. Well, that's that's another thing. I, I just don't I don't understand. Don't understand, yeah. 
But oh. I think some, some tranquilization or something along that line should help, okay? All right, Barbara, thanks uh, for your call. Good to hear from you again. Hope that you can resolve that situation uh, before too much longer. We need to take another break, but before we do, I have a, a brush with wildlife uh, to share with you. Not that we saw a whole lot of wildlife, but it was an interesting uh, in, in, uh, excursion into nature. I think I've mentioned a couple of times, a friend of mine and I do a lot of hiking in state parks and that sort of thing. Uh, uh, not too long ago, we had James Cummings from Wildlife Mississippi on the show, and he talked about the boardwalk on Sky Lake in the uh, wildlife management area in Belzona. My friend and I went uh, Saturday and it is a, just an amazing experience. It's through a cypress swamp, so you see these thousand-year-old cypress trees. There's one tree there that's 45 feet across. Uh, the boardwalk is very well-maintained. It's easy to walk on, and it was just a real special treat, uh, sort of a co commune with nature, as it were, because the boardwalk uh, winds in and around uh, through the uh, the cypress uh, swamp. And so I would recommend that if you're looking uh, for something to do to commune a little bit with nature. It is our last break of the hour. When we get back, we'll get to your pet question. Uh, with Dr. Troy Major, so stay tuned. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. It's an all-pet day. Uh, still got some time for you to work in a question about your pet. If you have one, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 7464 Back to the phone lines we go. We'll start again in Osaka and our friend Kathleen on the line. Good morning, Kathleen. Good morning, guys. Listen, uh, thank you, Dr. Troy, about the advice about my cat. A couple weeks ago, I called about my beautiful boy, Handsome. He's doing better. His fur is growing in, but guess what? It's growing in almost just black. So he went from brown to black. So now I have a black and gray uh, cat. But um, I have a uh, story about a uh, deer experience I had. You know, I live out here in 12 acres of woods. I walked out the back door. And I had been babysitting my friend's dog while he was at work because he's moving. I had the dog about 10 feet from me. Now, he's a 75-pound puppy, a little over a year, but still wild as crazy. Doesn't ever listen to me. So when I went out, and I, he was standing very erect, his tail straight back, his ears were peaked, and I said, oh, something's up. And I looked around, and there was a fawn, a little baby deer we still had the spots and all on eating on some grass across the little opening there and uh i stood still i had a red sweater on so i was very noticeable waited 15 minutes he still stood there and then all of a sudden the mama walks up and i'm thinking i've got a cane i don't walk good how fast can i get to my back door because i don't want her after me because of the fun i stood there about another 15 minutes i'm started kind of getting tired she looked up when the wind changed and stomped her feet. So I raised my hand just a little, and I waved. And she stood there and watched me a little bit more. And then when um, the dog next to me just took one step forward, I told him to stay. She heard me and then stomped her feet and like this sneeze, like, <laughs> you know. And then there goes the baby, and there goes her. And dog nearly took after him. But I, I convinced him, surprised, that's the only time he... He listened to me, but they got their um, blackberry 
leaves just looked like what they were eating. I didn't know they ate those, but they had a salad out there. <laughs> but thank you for the advice with my cat. By the way, Handsome's sitting right here, and he's doing fine. <laughs> it's a good good story, and you did the exactly the right thing. I'm glad the, your, the dog did not take off after them. But uh, a lot of times, just standing still, you may see more and more than you realize is there. So it was great. It was great. Now, the deer, they are excellent browsers, and uh, they they will browse on different things. And the leaves, you said blackberry, I believe, those leaves, uh, they would like that. But they'll eat some things that you really would think would be unusual. But then they love your garden as well, so <laughs> you know what they can do there. Anyway, well, great story. Okay, great thank story. You. Thank you. Thanks, Kathleen, uh, for the call. Uh, and that is one thing, too. I guess this is the time of year maybe when we're seeing deers a little bit more uh, frequently. And I know that a friend of mine lives out in Madison, and we play tennis a couple of times uh, a week. And on the way out there, I've seen uh, deer in front yards and, and that sort of thing. So always a reminder of this time of year to be careful uh don't want to injure deer or injure your car uh so be aware uh i think especially around dusk seems to be a time when they're out so uh, just be aware that this is a little bit more of active uh, deer season so be uh, be uh, aware and uh about that situation actually actually it's a year-round problem in that area and probably in other areas as well and remember if you see one deer go across the road you need to slow down because there could be others following that deer so just be be aware. It's usually not just one deer. Um, there may be several. All right. Uh, next up, we've got Tommy from Kosciuszko. Tommy, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Yes, good morning. I just got a question. Uh, do you think that Mississippi wild hogs would be able to live in Alaska in the cold up there? Yeah, I suspect they would. Uh, they're very adaptable. Uh, I would say that just about every state in the Union, I don't know about uh, Hawaii, but I'll bet you there are some wild hogs in Alaska. Now, whether they're that closely related to the Mississippi hogs, I don't know. But, yes, they they would be good. Uh, to, good question to ask somebody that knows up that way. All right, uh, Tommy, good to hear from you this morning. Uh, this is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I think, Java, you've got uh, an email there. Yeah, we did get something from uh, Mary in Memphis uh, when we were talking about the dog that got away. And she said, an old hunter's tip uh, for gathering a dog to, re- to forget, for getting a dog to return is to put a shirt that has been worn outside the front door. And she said, in her case, um, it worked and the dog came back. And again, that speaks to the dog's uh, sense of smell, uh, Dr. Bajor, and a familiar smell being, you know, something that their owner might have worn. Exactly. And they, they have a tremendous uh, ability to smell odors. Uh, and of course, that's one reason dogs are used for drug detection and other things as well. But yes, they can they can scent that. And uh, I don't know how far away they would have to be, but if they got close, they would actually know that's, hey, that's my master sweater or Uh, And I do know that uh, cats uh, can recognize our scents. I know that uh, the other day I was getting ready for work and had sort of laid my shirt on the bed uh, for just a minute, went out of the room, and when I came back, the cat was laying right there uh, in the middle of it. So he, uh, he, when every time I'm lazy enough to leave some clothes laying around, uh, he likes to use that uh, when he takes one of his uh, frequent naps throughout the day. So 
Uh, they, you'll notice you'll notice they like to mark that as their own. I think that's what they're doing, and they do the <laughs> same thing to you. They just kind of rub that facial area on you. Yep, and uh, that's kind of marking their territory and ownership. Yeah, it's interesting. He he especially does that in the morning. So I think he's he's reestablishing uh, that uh, who he owns there. So because he's he's very uh, you know does that a lot. When I first get up, you're right. He's rubbing that little face all over um, on my uh, legs and that sort of thing. That thing is, Doctor Major. Have you? We only got about a half a minute left, so a quick answer. And I might have asked this before, but my my cat loves shoes. Whether I'm warm, when I'm take them off, I don't know if it's the shoe odor or whatever, but he'll rub his face along the the top of the shoes, the bottom of the shoes. Have you ever heard of other cat owners whose cats love shoes? I think it's universal. I think they all do, and uh, I, I would hope that you never have the occasion for a cat to urinate in your shoe. But yeah, they they do they do like to rub on those shoes. All right. So far, that has not been the case, so I've been lucky about that. We're going to wrap it up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funding provided in part by listeners like you. To hear today's show or a previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash creaturecomforts. Our show is produced each week by Java Chapman. So for Dr. Troy Major, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned because up next, it's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. Tune in next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.